get 448. Dr. John Raymond is the president and CEO of the Medical College of Wisconsin. Joining us in the studio, as he always does on Tuesdays, Dr. Raymond, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Greg. Hey, we've had some uh, instances here at the office, and I'm seeing more about it. I just kind of want to do a reset here. What is the current state of COVID-19? It seems like cases are are popping up here again, and while it may not be as severe for some or most as it was when it was kind of first a thing, it's still a thing. So where do we stand here in the state of Wisconsin? Yeah, well, um, you, we all, I think, are seeing an increase in the cases, but not to the level that we were seeing when we had surges before. So it probably isn't accurate to call it a surge right now. But for the last eight weeks, there has been an uptick of cases in the U.S., and the trends here in Wisconsin are the same. So for the U.S., for the week ending September 2nd, there were about 19,000 hospitalizations. Compare that to the peak in January of 2022, where we had 150,000 hospitalizations in the U.S. Um, so people don't seem to be getting as sick, probably because um, of the immunity that they have from previous infections and from vaccination. Um, but elderly and other vulnerable people are are still being hospitalized. So, Doctor, uh, do the over-counter COVID tests uh, still work that we've had in our... Yeah, really, habits? really great question. And the answer is yes and no. Um, some of the tests have expired and others haven't. The FDA has a website that you can check at to see whether specific brands and specific lots have what they call extended expiration dates. Um, and before you throw your test out, check to see whether it's expired. And if it's not expired, it should be pretty good, even with the new variants. Um, if it is expired, the risk to using the test is that it loses sensitivity. So you might actually not be able to detect a mild infection. So it, it, COVID continues to, to mutate and come back in different forms, right? Variants were sort of a, a, it felt like a big deal at the time because, oh boy, is this, am I going to be covered if I am vaccinated? What, what do I need to do? Is this still sort of mutating and developing? Are there new variants, but maybe we're just not talking about them as much? Um, there are new variants, and I think people are fatigued from hearing about the latest. Sure. Um, the two that are circulating now are XBB variants, and that's a good thing because the new vaccines that were just approved from Moderna and Pfizer as boosters or as a primary series cover the XBB variants pretty well. So those are called Eris and Fornax. There's another variant that um, is circulating that people are a little worried about. It's called Perola or BA.2.86. The reason they're concerned is that it has a lot of mutations, 36 mutations in the spike protein. And there was concern that either the tests wouldn't work or the vaccines or even previous infection wouldn't give you much protection. The good news is there are four laboratory studies and one new clinical study in patients that suggests that you, you, we still have pretty good protection from um, this Pirola variant. So the boosters, though, they they are still working, and they they are still working. But the new boosters that are have just been um, approved by the FDA and are being considered um, for release by the CDC today or tomorrow um, do work. And are um, they still free? Uh, Really good question. For the most part, they're free. If you're a Medicare or Medicare Advantage patient in network, they're free. Um, they're, for people that are uninsured, there's a pathway to get free vaccines. 
If you have private pay insurance, you should check with your insurer, but they're probably going to be free for most people, and they do work. Um, So for people, especially that are vulnerable, um, the recommendation would be to go ahead and get the, the new shot. But one of the things people maybe have a little bit of confusion about is the FDA approves who can get a vaccine, and the CDC decides who should get the vaccine. And they haven't, unless something happened in the last hour, the CDC hasn't ruled on that yet. Their advisory committee um, was going to meet either today or tomorrow to to take that up. Uh, Switching gears here, Dr. Raymond, so RSV cases are definitely on the rise. What can you do, especially if you're, you're a parent, right? Your child is struggling to kind of breathe or get through the night. You're trying to figure out exactly what it is. What can you do as a parent? It's so troubling to see your your child just, you know, not doing well. Yeah, you know, so respiratory syncytial virus is a seasonal virus that attacks the lungs and causes pneumonia and bronchitis and symptoms like mucus plugging and wheezing. It disproportionately impacts kids and people over the age of 60, and it um, it's a very significant disease. Right now for kids, um, there isn't a whole lot that you can do other than uh, – basically treat the symptoms, supportive care for kids. But within the next few weeks, it's likely that the FDA and the CDC are going to approve the release of vaccines that are already approved for people over the age of 60. Um, So even though RSC cases are starting to rise in the southeast, we don't expect them to peak until sometime late in the fall and early in the winter here. So hopefully those vaccines will be released and approved for kids. Note on the text line here, Dr. Raymond, wondering if one could get a flu shot and the next COVID booster at the same time. Are there any complications with that? Um, Yes, you can. And it's generally recommended that you get the two at the same time. If you have two arms, you can get two shots at the same time. (laughs) Fair enough. So the complications, um, you, you know, each of them do have rare side effects that can be significant. So there may be a little bit of confusion if you get one of those. For most people, you get a fever, your arm aches a little bit, you may get a headache, and then in a, in a day or two, you have recovered. So on another change of note, a couple of players uh, in the NFL this weekend tore their Achilles, of course, yeah. one being Aaron Rodgers. Uh, when you see it happen on video, it looks awful. How awful is it, and what is the process to reattach that? It, it's awful. Um, and generally, you hear a pop, mm-hmm. and if you're looking at the calf, you may actually see the two parts of the tendon separate and curl up. So it is the most common tendon rupture of the lower extremity. Uh, and what, what the Achilles tendon is, it's a strong fibrous cord that connects the muscles in the back of the calf to the back of the heel bones. And overstretching it can cause it to rupture. And that's what happened to Aaron Rodgers. He planted his foot. Maybe the artificial turf had a little bit to do with him not being able to flex his foot much. He hyperextended the tendon and it snapped. Now, is it bad? Yeah. You can manage it medically with casting and elevation. Um, Most people can heal, but it takes a long time. But for athletes, it's recommended that you do a primary repair with suturing. It's called a Karnofsky suture. Um, That can either be done through a large open incision, a small open incision, or laparoscopically. Um, And the reason to do it is that the repair is more durable and your recovery time is faster but it's really unlikely that anyone with an Achilles tendon injury, even in game one, is going to come back any time during the NFL season. You have to quite literally unravel it, right? You do. We saw it in his calf, and you have to, like, 
it's like a lampshade, right? You pull it back down and sort of re like, oh my gosh, it's it's like a awful. like a, a like a sticky lampshade. It's pretty oh, hard to man. do, and if you wait too long, you can get some fibrosis, and it can be harder to free up the pieces of the tendon. Do you really? think this would have happened at some point anyway, or is just bad luck at that moment, or does it wear out over time? Well, as you get older and you subject the tendon to trauma, it can be more susceptible to a rupture. You know, Aaron Rodgers is a world-class athlete. I'm sure he maintains his physical conditioning. This was just bad luck, a freak accident, 75 seconds Mm. into his new career with the Jets, and to have that happen, just terrible. Dr. John Raymond joins us every Tuesday at Wisconsin's Afternoon News, president and CEO of the Medical College of Wisconsin. Thank you, Dr. Raymond. Always good to see you. We'll see you again next week. Thank you. Always Always a pleasure. 457 on WTMJ Business Headlines. Top of the hour news. All coming up.